over the past few weeks, uh, Darren's been talking about uh, a series he's going to do about making a difference in the world. How do we make a difference in the world? Salt and light. There's a lot of things in the Bible about it. Uh, it's pretty cool to me. It's a cool thing to me when uh, uh, the eldership asks different people to preach and you kind of think about something, you've had something on your heart for months, and when it fits in to what uh, kind of the format of, of what uh, God has put on Darren's heart. So I think this will apply to, to, to kind of where we are. Uh, the title of the sermon is Who Knew? And we're going to be looking at uh, Hebrews 11. Um, so in Hebrews 11, the Hebrew writer, years and years after these things happened, he goes back and talks about faith. Uh, <clears throat> the first person that he references is uh, Abel. Y'all might remember Abel of Cain and Abel fame, uh, sons of Adam and Eve. So we're talking from the very beginning. And uh, Cain was born first, Abel was born second. Uh, they bring an offering to God. And I believe that out of our hearts come our offering to God. And one of the, the offerings, Abel's offering, was more pleasing to God. And God let Cain and Abel know that Abel's was more, more pleasing. And we're thinking, if I'm thinking I'm, I'm Abel right there, I'm thinking, all right, things are good. I'm pleasing to God. Um, what we don't know, what he doesn't know at that time, is that that's going to infuriate Cain so deeply that Cain kills Abel based on God finding his, his offering to be more pleasing. And in Hebrews we read that by faith he, Abel, was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by, by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. I believe that what we learn from just the very first example of faith in Hebrews 11 is two things. When we demonstrate faith, it continues to speak for generations. The other thing is, <clears throat> there is no guarantee that when we choose to live by faith, that things are going to end in this world the way we might want them to end. But the question is not how do things end in this world? The question is how does my faith impact those around me while I'm here? And how does my faith impact generations of people? <clears throat> There's a whole uh, separate teaching on generational curses through families and being free of those generational curses and we all have them in our families. But be a difference maker in your family, wherever you've come from. Choose to live by faith. Walk it out, trusting that you may or may not see it, the result. But, but if, God is, if God is truth, which he is, those things of faith will be honored in the long run. The next person that, he, that the Hebrew writer talks about is Enoch. Uh, 
He was taken from this, this world and did not experience death. Before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleases God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The truth of the matter is, God wants us to seek him. It's that simple. It is a faith that seeks him and his ways in our life. And unlike Abel, who was killed by his brother, Enoch, shortly afterwards, he's walking with the Lord, and the Bible says, and then he was no more. What a great example of God's great love for his people of faith who are committed to him. And he walked with the Lord and he was no more. While we may not get to experience the no more any more than hopefully we don't have to experience an early death, the truth of the matter is both of those walked by faith and were not in control of the outcome, and they did not know the outcome or the effect of the choices that they made to live by faith. Because as both Abel and Enoch lived their lives, they didn't know the, what was going to happen. They chose daily in their life to just live life and live life by faith. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. But his faith, uh, but his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping up with faith. From Moses, I mean, from uh, Noah, we learn that there are a lot of things in this world that are not of God. And when we have an opportunity to examine living our life by faith. We can see a lot of things going on in the world that are tempting, as the Bible says, that look right, that smell right, but they're not of God and they're not true. So the, the message from, from Noah is, look to God for your ways, and we look to God for our ways, rather than to look into the world and worldly wisdom for the ways we should go. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. There is no guarantee that when we live by faith that we're going to get to see where that's going to end up based on the choices that we make. In fact, I personally believe that is far lesser by faith the more I know what I expect the end to be. And if my decision-making about my faith is based on what I think I can be in control of and make happen and then work backwards from that to make a decision of faith, I personally believe that's, that's marginally, if, if minimally, of faith. So I'll say that again. The more we know about the end, 
a lot of times the less that is about faith and that's more about us being in charge and in control of our circumstances and expectations. Because Abraham was told to go. He didn't know where he was going, but he obeyed and went. There are times in our lives that we can learn from Abraham that when God convicts us of things and, he, and we know it is of God and it is of faith, that the answer is to obey and go, even if we don't know where the end, what the end looks like. By faith, he made his home in the promised, I'm sorry, in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. That's fundamental in today's world and has been since the beginning of time. There is, a, there is an earthly, non-godly world that we're going to live in. But in the midst of a, not, a godly, an ungodly world, we're still called to listen to God and live by faith. And the reason that the example given of why Abraham was able to do so is he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architects and builder is God. Because he was... As, as Abraham was told to go, he's not thinking about all the details of where he was going. He was thinking about faith of God told him to go. But he knew in the end, he was looking forward to, the, to a land that was built by God. And all of us have opportunities to look forward to our lives living in a land in whatever those circumstances are, in our lives, built by God. And he talks about, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing, enabled her to bear children. And let's think about this. When, when Abraham decided to go, or when he's told he's going to be the father of many nations, did he really think that by just going that was really going to happen? But look what happens. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The seed of God. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had, had no idea when he chose, when God said go and he went. I can't imagine him having any idea what God was going to do with his choice of faith. And that's why he's in this chapter to encourage us, us thousands of years later to choose to live by faith, to move forward and watch God do extraordinarily more than we could ever ask or imagine because that's the truth of God and the heart of God. And then in Hebrews, it kind of recaps a little bit of the people that they've talked about. It says these people were living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admit, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Again, there is no promise that we will see the end of our faithfulness here on earth. But what we do know is that we'll have an idea of it. We'll have an idea in principle that God is going to honor our faithfulness. 
because he is a God who is true and he promises to honor our faithfulness. It's just not always how I want it to look. And I have a choice to believe. Is God honoring uh, my faith, my faithfulness? Or is he not? And I choose to believe the truth that he will. Then we find Moses. His parents hid him. And that was by faith. That's just living life in the circumstances. But by faith, they chose to hide, to hide him. By faith, Moses, when he grew up, had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather, enjoy, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. There's a whole world of fleeting pleasures that we are tempted with every day. But we learn from Moses that the call of God on faith is to not embrace the fleeting pleasures of this world. But to follow the people of God. And again, we see the same principle at work. He disregarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was a looking, looking ahead to his reward. Again, we, say, we see the same thing. We've got the world saying one thing, a person who is recorded in Hebrews as of living by faith because he was, a look, he was looking ahead to his reward. And that is a reward of a fulfilling life, a life that, that deep in my heart I know whether I get to see it happen in my lifetime or generations to past, generations in the future, that my faith will not be without effect. And then by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. That sounds kind of crazy, but the truth of the matter is he who is invisible lives in us and speaks to us today. And if we're going to, to learn from Moses, he heard from God. And God speaks to every one of us, all those who believe in him. And he speaks to those to come to him who haven't yet. And like Moses, how great would it be if we persevered because we saw him who is invisible. Because if we saw he who is invisible and we begin to, to listen and desire to be pleasing to God in the, the decisions that we make and how we walk out our faith, it's no longer some big giant deal. It's just, I'm walking with God. I'm listening to God. I know God wants me to live by faith. I know God wants me to make decisions that are consistent with his heart, which are in contrast to most decisions that are made when we make decisions in a worldly, fleshly way. He's called us to follow him and to know that there is eternity that matters. Amen. 
Christianity today, and I suspect Christianity for years and years and, and uh, in the past, uh, we tend to, to, to grade sin. Be careful. And we've all heard all have sinned and, fallen, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we're all sinners of need for a redeemer. But we judge people. And I think it's interesting that we learn you better be careful who you're judging because by faith, the prostitute Rahab, Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. She's living her life. And it's interesting to me, she's listed in the same chapter of the New Testament as Abraham and Moses and all of the people of God. So could it be that God uses sinners to live by faith? So to, to the extent that you somehow think I've been excluded because my life has been bad and I've made bad choices, that is a lie. That is a crippling lie that some of us believe that my past and my sin prevents me from really hearing from God. It's a lie. It's not true. Because God wants to speak to all of his people. In 2 Corinthians, we learn... We know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. Can you imagine if all of those people that we've talked about were just living by sight? I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have made the same decisions. But they had a perspective of eternity, and they had a perspective of faith and listening to God in the decisions of the moment. I believe that Believers from, from the beginning to, to today, we must embrace what the prophet Jeremiah said, and that is, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We live in a hopeless society, and when we, exa when we begin to focus on all the things around us, there is hopelessness, but I promise when we're listening to God and we're understanding and knowing the truths of God and know the declaration of God, he has good plans for you and good things for you. And he wants you to have a hope and a future consistent with the plan that he had from the beginning of time. So we're taught to live by, live, <clears throat> excuse me, by faith, not by sight. And by faith, we know that God has a plan for us even if it doesn't look like it in the, in the present moment. The fact, and, and this is what, this is probably the hardest thing, one of the hardest things of faith is in the moment I can assess, here are the facts. Here's family, here's job, here's fun, here's whatever you want to fill in there, whatever's going on around you. Kids are doing great, kids are doing bad. Marriage is good, marriage is bad. Money's tight, money's abundant. You know, just all the things. And I can look at those things. And I can see those things from a perspective of my flesh and worldly wisdom. And when I see my environment in my flesh with worldly wisdom, I, I cannot see a scenario where I make decisions by faith. And it is hard, hard 
to say, I'm going to look at all of this going around me because it is fleshly and it is worldly. That's the reality of the world. It's the same realities that all of the people we've talked about we're dealing with. But to choose to see my environment through a lens of God and a lens of eternal wisdom. I've got my flesh and I've got God. And I've got worldly wisdom and I've got eternal wisdom. And the choice is ours. Two of those allow us to see life and live our life by faith and to make decisions based on faith that have long-term impacts. And if we see, see the things around us from my flesh and, and from a worldly set of wisdom, it's going to fail. So the choice is for each one of us. Do we choose to see by faith or do we choose to see by the world? I believe God's called us to uh, see our life with the lens of God and eternal wisdom rather than my flesh and worldly wisdom. So, um, I grew up in a little town, Ennis, east of Dallas, southeast of Dallas, and uh, the, uh, my parents were good, but one of the messages I got from early on, if, if you make all A's and you're the best athlete, uh, you better not ever talk about yourself with respect to grades or athletics, because people will hate you. Clear message. And I grew up, I mean, I believed that. And while I believed that to be true, the backside of that and the lie I believed was that never talk about the good things that have happened to you. So for the most part, uh, I don't share a lot of things that God has done when I chose to live by faith. Um, because that's uncomfortable. But I do believe that God wants all of us to share with those around us the things of faith. When you, We've made hard decisions to follow God in faith. That's part of his plan, to encourage others, to, to give people hope that God is faithful when we choose to be faithful. So I want to share a couple of things. Uh, the first one has to do with moving to Decatur. Uh, we're living in Dallas. My oldest daughter's eh, 18 months old. I'm working at a big law firm. I'm a fifth-year lawyer and associate. Partnership tracks seven years. I'm right there. I'm needing to perform. And... Uh, be good at what I do, be committed, be all in to make partner because that's what associates do in law firms. They try to make partner. And uh, we're living in Dallas and I mean, solely by faith, God really was putting on mine and Susan's heart that we, we wanted to live in a small town. And that, that was in my heart. 
But was, what was in my mind was this was the worst thing I could ever do. Because in my mind, uh, I was going to give up everything professionally. I was going to just be kind of a grinder that was not ever going to make any real money. Uh, I was going to commute to Dallas when it was two lanes past Southlake. Miserable. I was going to leave at 6.30 in the morning, work till six, five, till 6, and get home at 7.30. Professional suicide, just give up. And I had every reason in the world not to, not to move to Decatur from a fleshly, worldly point of view. But this faith thing inside of me kept, kept digging at me because I knew I had heard the stories of God is faithful. I'd read Hebrews 11, live your life of faith, and God does immeasurably more than you can ever ask or imagine. So we moved, and we get up here, and I think, for the first time in my life, well, let me back up, it's particularly at that time, and I'm not completely free of this, but when people say they're exhausted or they're tired, I'm like, suck it up. And for the first time in my life, I mean, I was exhausted. I mean, I was, it was horrible. Getting up at 6.30, coming home at 7.30, get home and think, I gotta get up the next number of hours. I'd like to spend some time with my wife and daughter. I got, it is, it is bad internally. I'm struggling more than ever before. That was the first really big struggle. And I'm thinking, golly, man, I have given everything up, and this is misery. And, uh, but I'm still knowing deep inside that this was a choice of faith. And I'm wanting to believe that God's going to honor that, but that was, if there was... <laughs> Out of 100%, I had about 2% thinking God was going to honor that, and about 98% thinking I've just, I'm miserable, and my life is going to be miserable. Within six months, the firm I was at, there was a big shift in our industry. They get a call, and it says, and all these clients that we have in New York, Los Angeles, Kansas City, Phoenix, all, Minnesota, all over the United States, they all get together this whole industry and say, we don't want to have law firms in Abilene and Wichita Falls and uh, uh, Stephenville and Temple and random places. We want to centralize our, our, our uh, firms that we're going to hire to big, big law firms in, in cities. So, I mean, I'm, an, I'm a fifth year associate trying to make partner and uh, these partners call me, we go to the city, I remember, I know exactly where we were sitting, we are sitting on the top of the city club, the top of the building that has the green, uh, green neon thing going up it, and uh, you can see Fort Worth, and these are 60-something-year-old guys, and, they say, and I'm thinking, maybe I'm gonna get fired or something, I'm thinking, I don't, because these, these are the three head guys at this firm, and they all call me and say, hey, we wanna go to lunch with you, which really meant going to getting a sandwich at the city club. And, uh, and I said, all right, and uh, I go up there, 
and they say, hey, uh, you know, we know you've moved to Decatur, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to have a job now. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, and they said, hey, we've received some calls, and they're changing the industry, and uh, we would like to open a uh, Touchstone Bernays, Johnston, Bell & Smith law firm in Decatur, Texas. And, uh, and I was like, well, let me think about that now. <laughs> and uh, so, man, shortly thereafter, we've got an office. I'm talking to people. Uh, there's clients galore that are wanting to use us in this geographic area. And professionally, it was the greatest thing I've done, I, I ever had an opportunity to do. And God honored that choosing to move here professionally in something greater than I could have ever imagined or even began to imagine. So I may partner in six years on a seven-year partnership track a year ahead of time because I moved to Decatur because some, you know, some industry changed six months after I moved here. I mean, that, that is, only God can do that. So, uh, and moving to Decatur was was great. We're, uh, we're sliding along. I am way over time. Uh, we're, uh, we're sliding along, and uh, we're getting to know some other believers. Uh, Susan and I are becoming better at being married, understanding each other. Took a bunch of marriage classes, and uh, the, uh, so we learned kind of how to, how to make it work, and uh, uh, make friends, and we're in a small group, and uh, at a church, and things kind of go sideways in the church, and there's 10 or 15 people I'm kind of teaching, and uh, bald bass player Lee Harrington is leading worship, and uh, we, uh, uh, so things go kind of sideways, and uh, the people who were in that small group are like, what in the world is all that about? And uh, I'm like, I ain't doing this. I got I got cases, I got responsibility, I got kids getting older. And uh, uh, Lee, uh, Lee said, dude, we can't leave these people hanging. Because there's a lot of people who were new believers or people who uh, kind of coming back to the Lord kind of deal. And I'm thinking, yeah, Lee, I hate this by faith thing. And uh, so we, uh, we kind of start meeting together and you know, there's some more people coming. And Susan, I mean, it was good. And Susan and I continued to, you know, meet regularly. And, you know, 18, 19 years later, we're still meeting regularly in Crossroads Church. And, uh, but it's, but the, well. But the truth of the matter is, all, everything that winds up being of faith is God just working in and through people which is what he said he would do. It's really not that hard. Understand the heart of God. Know who God is. Listen to him. Trust him. And let him work in and through you. Not a real difficult analysis. Horribly difficult to do. So... My in-laws are probably the uh, uh, as private a people and as humble a people as I know. And uh, 
We were down at the coast on the 4th of July, and uh, we had a, had a little birthday party for one of the family members, and there's these seats that are, have been, a company was going to do a low boil, the crawfish and stuff, sausage. And we're sitting there, and uh, some people come walking up, and they are hugging on my in-laws, and just, it's like big fun. And I'm like, I couldn't even, the sun was kind of in my eyes, couldn't see who it was. And I finally realized who it was, and they came up, and they said to some of the people, they said, your parents changed our lives. And some of them said, your in-laws changed our lives. And they said to some, your grandparents changed our lives. And uh, so we get back from the coast, and this was like glory for me, because I have an ongoing argument with my in-laws that uh, they have impacted a whole lot of people over the years, uh, and, but they don't see it, they don't know it, and they don't believe it. And I tell them, y'all are just blind, y'all missing it. And they go, and, and then when they finally, I'll give examples and they'll say, particularly my mother-in-law, uh, and I got permission to tell all of this from, from them because they're private and, uh, and humble. Uh, and uh, so I said, uh, I said, see, there's a whole lot of people y'all impacted. And, uh, and finally, when they want to really concede, they'll say, oh, I guess we, we were just living our lives, trying to live by faith. And God was just working in and through us, which is the right answer. We're living our lives by faith, day to day. God's working in and through us. And uh, so my mother-in-law, the only person who takes a compliment worse than me might be my mother-in-law. And uh, so we have run and joke that when I affirm her that she's done things with people or, and uh, that she'll say, oh, that wasn't anything. I don't even know. You know she'll sandbag it. And, uh, and I'll say, or the fitting response is, thank you. And uh, so when I start sandbagging stuff and just, nah, it's not a big deal, she'll say, or the appropriate response is, thank you. And uh, so I think one of the things that I know that I've learned from that is uh, the appropriate response to when God honors faith is thank you. So... Um, and uh, I, um, in my life, uh, there's kind of two things that help my faith. One is when I see and hear people live day to day by faith and, and, and experience people coming up and saying, uh, your in-laws changed my life. Coupled with the truths of God, because when you combine testimonies of people and the commitment of people to one another and the building up of the body through, the, through, through how God has been faithful to each one of us. Man, it encourages me. And when you combine those two things, I've come to believe with all my heart that a life of faith that God intended for all of us is just living day to day with a lens of God and eternal wisdom. So the question today for all of us is will we choose to live our life with the lens of God, with eternal wisdom, by faith?